In the moments after you're born, doctors and nurses ensure your health. They cut the umbilical cord, make sure you can breathe on your own, and clean you up so your caretaker can hold you. A few minutes later, they work to identify you. They measure your weight and length, make copies of your handprints and footprints, and assign your sex based on your genitalia and chromosomes. For many years, people assumed that this is where the discussion on sex, gender, and identity stopped, in the moments after birth. But in reality, this is not the case. My name is Megan Peugeot, and this is Human. My name is Christine Peugeot. I'm a community helper. My name is David Ingram. I'm a professor at East Carolina University, and I teach ballet and composition. My name is Olivia Williams. You can call me Liv, and uh, I am a transgender woman. This week on Human, we're taking a look at how gender affects our understanding of what it means to be human by talking with three individuals about their experience with their gender identity. Before we begin, I think it's important to clear up a few things. Like I mentioned before, for a long time, people thought that the discussion of gender began and ended with the assigned sex you were given at birth, and thus used the terms sex and gender interchangeably. However, these are two very different things. Your assigned sex is the label of male, female, or intersex that you were given by a doctor at birth based on the genitalia, chromosomes, and hormones present in your body. This is not the same thing as your gender. Gender is a social construct that encompasses society's expectations about your behaviors, characteristics, and thoughts. Instead of being about anatomy, it deals with how you're expected to act and express yourself. So let's start out here and have Liv explain the idea of gender in a little more detail. The gender spectrum is not binary. It's not just one or two. It is not just male or female as we have been led to believe for a long time, which makes it very difficult for people like me growing up, not really knowing we have another option. And so when we're talking about gender, you can include feminine or masculine qualities with yourself, whether that be a lot of masculine ones or a lot of feminine ones, or a mixture of both, or a mixture of none of them. You can be a gender. You can be a gender that's completely outside of this understanding of masculine or feminine. So, you know, it's important when we start this conversation to step away from, you just have the two choices, man or woman. Now that we understand the basics, let's start out by looking at when people first became aware of their gender. We'll start with Christine. It's funny. Um, the first time, it, I, I don't know if it's like this for most people, but um, for, for me was I was four years old and it was Christmas and I got an iron and an ironing board as a gift from my parents. That particular gift always stood out to me. It was and I, I to this day I don't even remember what my sibling had um, received. Um, I don't know if he got cars or what, but an iron and an ironing board back in, what would that be, probably early 70s, maybe even late 60s, um, it was 
very profoundly you're this is what moms do you are a mom and moms back then were you know women and you didn't see men ironing shirts right yeah it was kind of in that you know leave it to beaver era where it was the the wife in the nice house dress doing all of the chores and always looking Except, nice and having dinner yes, yeah you always had to look you know presentable at any situation you didn't know if you're you're going to be rushed out of the house in a fire you had to have your face on right you know? here's dave thinking about it, it throughout my entire existence about understanding the expectations of being a male being a boy and how we're supposed to act uh and being taught that from other males as far as like how men should behave um and then how women would respond to that and or treat me so both i think there was a i was born in 1981 and there's sort of a prescribed thing that happens toys you buy, the clothes you wear, the expectations of the culture and the history around you, um, sort of there. Uh, uh, one one um, choreographer that is quite a hero of mine that I think is, uh, I, I, as I'm thinking about this relationship with gender, uh, the great choreographer Yuri Killian said about his piece, Bella Figure, um, where the men and women are all wearing red dresses mm-hmm. and they have no shirts on. He says that everyone is male and female, because we are both from a male and a female. So we have those components of both of us inside of us. And it's important that we recognize both parts of those places inside of us for, in a sense of general health, or even understanding the other gender. Here's Liv. It's very funny that you start off with this one, because this is always exactly the first question. <laughs> I just had a, an appointment with a hairdresser for the first time recently, and the very first question was, you know, when when did you know that God put you in the wrong body? Which is exactly the wrong place to start. Right. Um, so... So I'll start there with the fact that a lot of people, you know, ask, what was the first time? When did it happen? When did the light shine? And the answer is, it really didn't, it didn't happen like that. And it doesn't happen like that. It's not this glorious, you know, King Arthur gets the the sword from the lake. It's, It's a lot of little things that build up. For me, as a kid, I was very uncomfortable in many different ways Mm -hmm. and I had absolutely no idea why. So I, I knew there was an issue, but I did not know what it was. I didn't know, you know, I figured everybody went through this. I figured everybody just didn't like their bodies and they just grew up and got over it. I figured everybody wished they were a girl or girls wish they were guys sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just how it is. That's just being a kid. And then you grow up and you get over it. Or at least that's what I was led to believe. And so I... uh, I'm I'm trying to pick out moments that that really are blaring, but it's a lot of little things. I remember playing with my brother as a kid. And we had these two stuffed animals. And, you know, we're playing pretend. It's a game. And our two characters had just been turned into girls. You know, it was 
some yeah. magic spell or something. <laughs> and I remember giggling so much, I could not breathe. I thought it was the most delightful, the most delicious turn <laughs> in the plot. Um, and through all these years, I remember, you know, that memory out of anything. I don't remember anything else about that day except for that moment. And that stuck with me all those years. And, you know, for the longest time, I couldn't tell you why, or I didn't want to tell you why. Right. And, uh, you know, now I look very fondly back on, on those sorts of memories. I remember watching America's Next Top Model with my mother growing up and Project Runway. And and I used to curb my excitement and act like I didn't enjoy it. But I loved watching that with my mom. <laughs> and, you know, I loved Tin Gun and I remember the first time I ever saw a transgender woman who was out in the world, who was successful and professional, was Isis King. And, you know, she made quite a mark on that show and and made quite the impression. It was very open about uh, her status as a transgender woman. Mm -hmm. And for me as a kid, that was enchanting. It was amazing to see a woman like that happy and successful and out there living her life. And I hoped that people like her would be happy. I hope that people like her would get whatever they wanted. Cause I figured that I never would feel that way. You know, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't my, it wasn't my privilege to be a transgender right, woman. Yeah. Uh, you know, how, how nice that would be, but <laughs> alas, it's not me. <laughs> That's how it, how it felt as a kid. And I, I grew up, I, developed depression pretty early and I had no idea why any of this felt so uncomfortable and it wasn't until college that I accidentally came out to somebody um and you know I had to I had to talk about it at that moment Mm -hmm. I had to talk about you know here's these feelings I have I'm not really sure what they are and I want them to go away and we'll never talk about it again but uh she was very she was very loving and she was very respectful and and she was like well you know we don't have to we don't have to look directly away from this you know maybe maybe it's an okay thing and that was crazy to me (laughs) I mean I genuinely hated this part of myself and for someone to look at me and say hey it's okay it's in fact kind of endearing was an entire world revolving around me and after that it just kept going until one day I was absolutely sick and tired I was on my way to get groceries in Ohio of all places <laughs> and I was absolutely sick and, sick and tired of not knowing I was out in limbo and I I couldn't tell anybody and the people I have told were online so like you know they're right. they're not there they're not people they're not my friends and family and you know, who was I going to be? I was absolutely sick and tired. And finally, I asked my, myself the question, am I a man? And I said, no. So I, you know, I put that on the truth table and I went on to the next question. Where does that leave me? Okay. Am I a woman? No. So I put that on the table and then I went, well, where does that leave me? <laughs> if, if, you know, these two options are not there. And then I had recently heard the term genderqueer. And I was deciding this and I thought, no, that's something that other people go through and... Oh, no. And that's when it hit me and that's 
I suppose that's the first moment because it felt like taking a breath of air for the first time in my life while somebody took a two by four to the side of my head. (laughs) (laughs) It felt relieving and horrific. It felt like I'd been struggling all this time and it was right in front of me. And it's something I have dreaded my entire life. And the absolute most horrifying thing was true. It's real and it's important to me and I love it. And if I don't tell my friends and my family and my colleagues and my partner, I'm never going to be happy. Yeah. And so that was the first moment. I very slowly began to tell people in my life and I started to be bold and started to, you know, dress as myself and people were very confused at first, but you know, they caught on and I taught them along the way how to best respect my journey. And now I'm here and now I'm much happier than I've ever been. So what was your experience with gender like growing up? Like, did you find that there were certain things that you were uh, encouraged to do or things that you weren't allowed to do because of your gender? It was more so what I couldn't do. Um, At one point in my teenage years, my parents decided that I and my older sibling were going to share the responsibility of doing dishes each night, alternating. And it became pretty obvious pretty quickly that I was going to be the one that was going to be doing the dishes. Um, You know, when it was his turn, he would like make himself disappear. And it was my responsibility to take care of that. You know, my mom felt that it was my responsibility that I should know how to shine shoes properly and to clean toilets properly and to make a bed with hospital corners properly. And you never saw that on the male portion. The only time that I saw there, there was, if you want to call it equality in genders, is when it was time to cut the grass and we would switch off weekends cutting the grass. Also, even as I was growing up in, in high school, I saw... Um, my older sibling being able to go out and to party and to go to sporting events. And I wasn't allowed to do that because I was a female. It was seen as you're going to either get yourself in trouble or put yourself in trouble. Right. And so for that reason, they felt the need to keep me home all the time so that I was protected, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I, I began to practice uh, classical ballet, and then from that point, my entire life changed, as that is a typically female-dominated uh, activity. Right. Um, and so as a male in that form, I saw my entire world shift. I saw my entire world uh uh, sort of fall apart and have a rough time as I as I lost lost a certain group of friends completely, uh, lost certain uh, support from some family members, and then especially as as the ballet world became more and more um, uh, 
concurrent and had more mo momentum in my life, I found myself to be more isolated in a female-dominated activity. Um, and I'm sure it was, from my family's perspective, concern for my general happiness in right. life because of their interest or their understanding or their expectations or fears for me. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that, yeah, definitely being in the, uh, the dance world as a male was quite uh, isolating at times. This tends to be the second question, <laughs> or, or, or somebody will posit, ah, yes, you preferred Barbies over trucks when you were a kid, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's an oversimplification. So right. again, the question is flawed in itself. Right. Um, it's, it's not so simple as my parents wanted me to uh, enjoy trucks or Transformers or or Hot Wheels, because I loved Hot Wheels, I loved Legos, I yeah. loved all sorts of stuff like that. Um, this is not what makes us, this is not what, what changes us. Instead, it was more about how I felt socially, mm -hmm. how I felt uh, my role among, you know, other kids, how I felt as a young adult where my role was, and just feeling uncomfortable and not really having an answer for that. As far as for my activities, I desperately wanted to fit in. I desperately wanted to like football like my family. I wanted to like football like my brother who, who was very good at it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be like the people who seemed like they were more comfortable. And I tried and I tried football and I broke my kneecap. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and yeah, so I never did that again. <laughs> And the truth is, I hated football. I couldn't stand it. But I tried to do it because that's what would get me in. That's what would make me more like everybody else. And I started to learn at a pretty young age that I really liked makeup. And I really liked feeling pretty. And I really liked when my sisters would dress me up. And, <laughs> you know, I... I realized that that's what I liked and very quickly I learned that that wasn't okay. So, you know, I had to, I had to look at myself and go, well, what's more valuable, enjoying these things or fitting in with other kids? And at that age, of course, you, you know, you're trying to develop your social skills. Right. That's, that's what's going to be more important. So now as an adult um, and working professionally in your field, do you feel like gender affects your experience of the world in day-to-day -day life? Um, it depends on the situation. Like right now I'm working at a salad bar uh, restaurant and it's, you know, probably a lot of people's first jobs and, but it's a great situation because there's no preferential treatment, whether you're a male or female. Mm -hmm. The garbage still needs to be taken out. Right. The floors still need to be mopped. You know, things still need to be restocked, you know. And so it's not, oh, you're the male, you're going to get the, the harder jobs, or you're the female, you're going to get the easier jobs. It's There's no difference. And I love that. I, I love opportunities where you don't see gender, you know? I don't like people opening doors just because I'm a female. 
I like them to open a door because I happen to be right behind them and they're holding the door open for me. That's very nice, you know, but I, I don't, uh, um, I don't like feeling like what I call a feeble female. Right. Constantly. I think it's important to, uh, definitely look at as we're in a, uh, a very important, necessary conversation of privilege and equality and what that means as in regards to gender as well as race, um, what, all, what all those components have and how we can um, look at those and continue to have the conversation about the proper ethics of how we are uh, holding on to habits of history that are inhibiting us from creating uh, E e equality in every sense. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, what's been very interesting is when I started my transition and I didn't... Well, here, here's a, another impasse where I should probably define a term. Uh, I didn't pass at the beginning. And passing is a term within the trans community that means uh, passing for a cis person. Mm -hmm. You don't look like you're trans. You don't show signs, any visible signs uh, of being a transgender person. Passing is a very harmful concept because it assumes that being cis is a good, is, is a better thing than being trans. Right. As if being transgender is not something you want to be, you want to get as far away from that, you want to blend into society. When in reality, the goal for transgender people should be to be unapologetically themselves uh, and to celebrate that with their expression. But nevertheless, passing awards you safety in society, especially in a society that does not value transness or gender nonconformity. So at the beginning, I didn't pass well. I stuck out like a sore thumb and there was all sorts of stares. There was all sorts of laughs. I remember sitting in a park waiting for a date and this guy across like a hundred yards nudges his friend, points at me and just laughs openly. And it was constantly like that. And just, I had to come to terms with myself that being myself was more important than fitting into society. And then now I'm starting to get to a place. I, I, you know, I started hormone replacement therapy, uh, about a year and a half ago. And I'm getting to a place where I am starting to pass more. Mm -hmm. I am starting to, you know, people don't really notice right. my transness unless they're really looking for it, unless they really hear my voice. And it's very weird because now men will like let me first on the bus or they'll be like, oh, ma'am, would you like to sit? And people use my pronouns correctly and don't pointedly misgender me like they used to. So you'll find that when you're a transgender, when you're gender nonconforming, the you don't really change too much. The world more changes around you. And that's very true. And it's very odd now that people are being very nice to me or, or men are holding doors open for me. And I'm like, no, I, I don't want this. I don't want chivalry. I want right. rights for my people. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so as a society, 
I feel like we're starting to talk about, you know, the kinds of restrictions or expectations that we place on people because of their gender, whether it's, you know, that men shouldn't cry or that women have to dress in a certain way or that, like, trans people shouldn't be allowed to use their preferred bathrooms. And I think those things are finally starting to come to light and we're talking about them. Um, Have you noticed these kinds of expectations come into play in your life? I mean, I know now you hear a lot about um, we should not be teaching teaching boys to cry and even while I was going through therapy it was like why is it wrong even for women to cry in public it's an emotion you know and it's not a sign of weakness it's a sign of vulnerability which in intents and purposes purposes, it's it's a sign of strength if you can cry in public that's a bold statement to make right you know and and i applaud anybody that can let themselves be vulnerable show their emotions and say you know what i'm okay with this i don't know if you have a problem with it but that's on you but to show an emotion publicly regardless of gender i applaud them Yes, and I get quite saddened or I get, sometimes I get angry about the normalities of the expectations of the female and the male on stage. In my field of the classical ballet world, uh, it is in high ratios, it's expected that the female uh, be on point shoes and be moved around by the male in a like a bemused or like fragile way. And the male stands and is supposed to be like, picking up the girl and moving her around on these two little pedestals. There's a lot of context there that's not really, you know, like talked about a lot. It definitely doesn't allow the woman to be powerful and to be strong. And it also doesn't let the male uh, show a softer side of emotion and cry. And and that limits them in the capacity of what they're going to make art-wise. And if they're limited in their art-making, if you take a whole side of the color palette away from them, there's only so many pieces of art that you that you can make right so it's pretty it's kind of like i get i get upset yeah sure absolutely uh you know the bathroom one is a is a very controversial one uh still even after hb2 born right here in good old north (laughs) cackalack and um a big thing for me recently actually that i haven't really talked about on any of my social media or anything is that I met up with my father me and my partner second time she's ever met him uh, and I've been dating her for a year you know almost a year now and uh, we saw Captain Marvel together which was huge my father invited us and we saw it with my brother and his wife and uh, this is just sort of the first times I'm making, you know, amends with my family, trying to figure out where we are with all of this, because he's a pastor, he was a pastor for 18 years, and it's a very conservative family, so trying to figure out where we fit, and where they feel comfortable, you know, we're, Mm -hmm. we're navigating that, and so he's invited me to Captain Marvel, and after the movie, we're saying our goodbyes, and I say, okay, I've got to go to the bathroom, 
And of course, right behind us is the bathrooms, and I have this decision of like, well, I can't just walk into the men's bathroom. I mean, uh, that didn't even cross my mind. I was like, I'm going to use my bathroom because that's where I belong. And I just did that. And Monroe, my partner, uh, was was quite shocked that I just did that in front of my father, that, uh, you know, he would see me make that decision for myself. Um, so it's a bit more shocking. It's a bit more scandalous for me to be making my own decisions and doing very small, uh, arbitrary, mundane things. Yes. You know, I do have another story is, um, one time I did get arrested for the horrible crime of missing a court date. <laughs> so I, you know, I was out at this time as a transgender woman. Uh, this is just a few months back, actually. And I was talking to Monroe and I said, well, I'm just, I'm going to go turn myself in. You know, I'm going to go turn myself in and I'm not really going to change anything about me, even though my documents all say one name and they say one gender. I'm just going to go as myself because I've fought f- far too long and hard to be myself. Right. And she stopped me and said, I'm very proud of you and I'm, I'm, always right behind you when you make that decision but this is the north carolina justice system and i don't want you to get hurt i don't want you get hurt inside the jail where i cannot help so we discussed it a bit more and we decided it was better that we pretended today and i did and i put on some of my old clothes which is something Monroe had never seen. And I was really worried. I went to my roommate who I'd given a lot of my old clothes to. And I said, Hey bud, I need to grab some pants, shirt, some shoes. He's like, is everything okay? Like, why why do you need these? And I explained it to him and I started putting on the clothes and I was like, well, here we go, Monroe, you're going to see this part. And I put them on and she just starts giggling and laughing and cannot control herself and I was like what are you laughing at she goes you just look like a lesbian (laughs) 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 so the the people who are closest to you will see you for who you are and will always respect you and will always you know no amount of clothes no amount of makeup off of your face can change that right and when I went into that jail all of the cops who of course were straight white men Mm -hmm. treated me like an equal they treated me like all right buddy we'll get you right out of here uh you know no worries you didn't do anything wrong turn yourself in we'll get you straight out of here sir and I know in my heart that if I had been a person of color and if I had been myself that day it would have been completely different yeah so yeah, it's it is very clear the difference about how people treat you uh, based on these various experiences I've had and how I've had to present. So how is your experience of gender in general, not even just your own, but how you perceive um, others interacting with their gender? How do you think uh, that has affected the way you see and interact with others? You know, I like to think of gender as being neutral. I had an experience once where I did the naked bike ride in Portland. And and I thought, wow, this this is 
I've never done anything like this, and I don't know what to expect. And the first 30 seconds were very awkward. You know, you're standing naked amongst all these strangers. And then you start talking to people, and you realize that people will talk to you in your eye. And that was like a light bulb. It was like a major Oprah aha moment for me. It was like, wow, if we just looked in each other's eyes when we we would not even have to worry about are they male are they female are they trans are they what it it didn't matter because you were looking into their eyes and when you look into their a person's eyes you're looking in their soul you know Mm -hmm. i did this thing at a park one day where you just gazed into another person's eyes for an unspecified amount of time And it was really interesting that you could look at a person's eyes and feel emotions without any words being spoken. You could feel a person's strength. You could feel who that person was. Um, I came across one person that um, at the end, I told them that they they were exceptionally beautiful. And they started to cry. And they had never heard that before. I didn't look at their outside. I couldn't even, to this day, I couldn't tell you what that person looked like. But all that I can tell you is I remember the emotion of looking into their eyes and saying, this is a beautiful person. And I think that if more people would look in people's eyes instead of looking at what I call their shells, I, I think we could find some commonality um i find that i am constantly trying to combat my old habits about how i um, uh, engage the decisions i make uh the words that i speak and i'm constantly trying to comb through them and look at um what is what is taught and how what i say what is taught from history that can be uh hierarchical in uh, meaning and uh, heteronormative that, um, you know, sort of places, especially the female below the male, mm-hmm. that that's something that's really, really important because in myself, uh, per, well, ethically, I don't think that's right in general in society, but as well in my art making, it's important that my students have full scope and range of any effort and any access in whatever they wish to portray. And if we continue down the same path of training, uh, thought, expectations of what we're valuing, especially women to be, as a sexual object in ballet, Mm -hmm. um, that's gonna not change. They will always continue to be an object to be viewed by males instead of uh, someone who's ready to speak and be their own voice. Um, it, It affected my dating life a lot. And very positively, because before transitioning, I had absolutely no idea how to go about dating or to go about flirting. I I did not feel comfortable with myself, and I didn't want to be like guys when, when they try and flirt, because I thought that was ridiculous. I hated the way <laughs> they would try and go about that, and I never saw myself being able to do that. And I knew my ideal, I knew the kind of person I would want to be, but I couldn't do that, so I right. didn't. <laughs> but then when I transitioned 
I was able to look at my dating life and go, okay, well, now I can be myself. Well, now I, I don't have to be ashamed of who I am. And Monroe is one of the first people that I actually started, uh, you know, going on a date with as Liv. And she didn't know me at all previously as anybody else. The same with this uh, other guy I had dated. We'll, we'll, we'll call him Bruce. <laughs> Um, and he, you know, he was a wonderful experience for me. Uh, we dated very casually for a short amount of time and it, it's very interesting. Oh, 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 um, one thing is that you don't have to pay for dinner or dates anymore. (laughs) And I, I wasn't upset about that. Uh, (laughs) Uh, you know, a lot of people will be like, well, no, I've been doing this for a long time. I might as well just pay for things or, or it's very empowering for cis women to, to pay for, you know, their partner's meal. For me, I was like, oh, no, please, you go <laughs> right on ahead. This is a ridiculous custom and I love it. <laughs> uh, so, you know, a, a lot of that and a lot of expecting somebody else to make the first move. Um, and a lot of surprise when I would, or uh, a lot of surprise when I was a lot more upfront about those things. So I, I'd say that manifests mostly in my dating life. As far as friendships, um, I've always had more friends who are women. That's kind of always been the case. I've always felt closer to women, but I think I'm more comfortable having friends who are guys these days, which is a very odd turn of events. Because <laughs> one would think as I transitioned farther, the, the closer I would get to women, which is true, which a lot of girls see me as, you know, one of their, you know, a girl they can talk to about a lot of things, a lot of personal things, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but with guys, it's... Take it like this. It's a lot easier for me to be around a guy because it's very easy to define who we are. Mm -hmm. They are very different from me. Our bodies are not similar at this point, not with HRT and not with how I hold myself. So it's it's very easy to see the difference. It's very easy to play our roles. Whereas with cis women, when I'm around cis women, it's very easy to see the difference. And it's very hard to play the same role. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard to connect on that front. So I guess that is why it is easier for me now to connect with men because the difference is easier, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So given your life so far and your personal experiences with gender, um, what do you think it means to be human? To be human is to see another person's soul. Not to see what they look like or prejudge them. It's basically to look into their eyes and to see their soul and and see that we are all living, breathing, heart-beating human beings who need to be loved and need compassion and sympathy and support from one another. It takes a village. 
Well, I think about that when what does it mean to be human and what is going to separate us from uh, because we have reason, because we can think. We also have instincts. We are animals. We are like fear-based creatures. We want food. We want to stay alive. There's aspects of war within us that are, are in, innately part of our instincts for survival. But because we are intelligent beings that have reason, most of us, because we have ethics and reason, um, it's our job as a human, if we're going to call ourselves human, it's our job to do the correct thing for all other humans in equality and to move towards a utopian society. If we're going to call ourselves free, if we're going to call ourselves thinkers, if we're going to call ourselves a human, then we have to um, get rid of the uh, consuming war-based capitalist ideology. What it means to be human is an unanswerable question. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, but from my standpoint, from my uh, journey, especially focused on gender. Right. Uh, I've talked about it several times on, on my social media, on my platforms there, but I think part of your answer, a little, a little fraction of your answer can be found within why I chose my name. And, you know, I chose Olivia, but I did not originally choose Olivia. I chose Liv and then found out that Olivia fit, you know, better <laughs> within a full name. I chose live because that is not something I always thought is something I would be doing. And I reached a point where I was miserable. I had a lot of pressure in a crumbling relationship. I had a lot of pressure from my family to, uh, you know, be and, and match what they expected of me. I had the pressure to succeed and a crumbling sense of identity and self. And I found that there was one answer that could solve all of that pretty quickly. And that was to just stop. And I'm very grateful for the people that helped me. And I'm very grateful for the fact that I did not make that decision because right after that would be the first time I ever came out to somebody. And right after that would be when I started the greatest journey and the greatest mistake of my life. And I chose live because it's a promise to myself. It's a promise to love and experience today right where I am, not try and be someone tomorrow, not try and live somewhere yesterday and try and fix those problems, but to change right now because there is no tomorrow, there is no yesterday. There's just this moment. And this moment is me talking to my friend Megan <laughs> and talking about my name and changing what I can and helping who I can and loving and healing and doing what I can to learn how to be more patient and learn how to be more gracious in my mistakes. So it's a promise to myself. I want to live. And I think that is a small fraction of the answer. Yeah. Gender is 
just one of many identities that shape who we are, but for many people, it's a deeply impactful one. Our gender identity affects how people see us and treat us, how we interact with the world, and the rights we have in society. And with the growing knowledge and understanding of the entire gender spectrum and increased visibility of different genders in the media, people are finding more freedom to express their true selves and show the world that to be human is more than to be male or female. It's to be yourself. Thanks for joining me this week on Human, and check back on Monday for interviews with Dr. Akash Tiagi, Andy Lee, and Mary Elba as we take a look at how race and immigration factors into how we understand what it means to be human. Special thanks to Christine Peugeot, David Ingram, and Liv Williams for their participation in today's episode, Lee Rosevere for the theme music, and Dr. Jen Scott Mobley, Dr. Tim Christensen, and the ECU Honors College for supporting this project. If you're interested in learning more about today's topic, look in the description below for a list of additional resources. And thanks for joining me this week on Human.